Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Normally it's hump day, but in light of the crazy week that has been, uh, many of you just got back to the office today. Tom Block, along with Keith Jones, hope every, everybody uh, weathered the storm well. It didn't turn out to be uh, that big a deal in Tallahassee, but obviously lots of the state of Florida still picking up uh, after Irma. KJ, how did you do? We did fine. We did fine. You know, in sales, Tommy, they talk about under, uh, over, under-promise and overperform. Uh, the storm overpromised and underperformed. But that's a good thing if we're talking about exactly, storms. Exactly. Because I can tell you, we my family sat through Hermine last year and uh, didn't have a tree come through the house, but did have a tree lean on the house, which we knew something was wrong during a, a harrowing night with our young kids. <laughs> Went out the next day, saw what it was, and lo and behold, we had been holed up like directly below where that tree was leaning on the roof. So this time around, we didn't mess around. We just got out of town even though it turned out to be much ado about nothing. We, uh, we had no issues at the uh, Jones household. We had no issues at the Earl Bacon Agency. And fortunately, fortunately, uh, we had several of our clients that had some issues, but far less uh, from a numerical standpoint than was feared. Yeah, so that is good news. I know around the state, uh, our thoughts are with you. Uh, several areas, obviously hard hit. You guys have been following the news. You know, uh, I-75 is a total mess. I don't know if it's closed at this point or not. Uh, it may be. We came back on I-10 today from the west, and that was a parking lot yesterday. But uh, today headed eastbound. It was not so much of a parking lot, so we're happy to be back. And We've got football. We don't have football to talk about. That's the real problem. <laughs> we got other people's we, football. We got other people's football to talk about. This is It's bizarre. And you and I have been around the program a while. It, it's uh, sort of interesting that in Jimbo's case, he was at LSU when they dealt with the aftermath of Katrina. This is nothing like Katrina, at least here in Tallahassee. Um, but he has that perspective, I guess, of the distraction that goes with it because it's not just uh, the coach. The players have families and are from all over the state of Florida, and many of them impacted. Obviously, he said earlier today on the ACC conference call, everybody's fine, everybody's family is But fine. I can't assure you, the coach in him, is going, what in the world has happened to my season? Because Florida State's going to end up having a two-week hiatus after playing a game. Now, normally you like to have a bye week, but now you got a two-week bye week, if that makes sense. Well, they'll go three weeks between games. I was thinking about it last year. By the time they played Louisville, I hate to bring that game up, but that was the third game in 12 days because they played Monday, Saturday, the following Saturday. 
And then the Saturday after that, if memory serves, right? So they actually played four games in 19 days. This year they play on September 2nd and not again until September 23rd. So one game in 21 days. Wow. So it's quite a difference. And, and I don't know really what it comes down to is how productive can your practices be? On the one hand, you've got a true freshman quarterback. So getting extra time means that you can certainly spend more time with him running through whatever he's not comfortable with and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you got to get him to combat and see how he fares. I mean, that's real. I'm sure if Jimbo could, and I don't know if he's going to go live this week or not. Well, that becomes my question. Yeah. How much hitting do you do? Do you consider a scrimmage or a small scrimmage? Uh, you know, all those go into the equation. Uh, obviously, trying to stay in game shape because that's you know a three three week layoff is that's significant for a football player, and uh, you can go out and run all you want, but uh, there's a difference between running uh, from one point to another point and sprinting in between plays and making tackles. Uh, I, it's just a weird situation it's, that, that I don't. This has never happened to Florida State in this length of time. No, never been two games been either missed or or moved. Uh, that I can recall, and so it's this is uh, new new plowed earth, new, new ground that we're plowing. It here. is, you know, and the axiom is that you make the greatest improvement from game one to game two. So if that's the case, they have had all kinds of extra time. <laughs> Those special teams ought to be humming Woo. by the time they take the field against <laughs> NC State. But uh, you also want to stay in game shape. I, I will say though, if you look at Florida State, they went through last week, got their four full practices in. They practiced Thursday, then Thursday night is when we found out the game was canceled. All they would have done on Friday is a walkthrough, which is literally, it, it's not even necessary. I mean, at home, it may be at Doak, but on the road, they do this in a parking lot sometimes. Well, no, that, this is not they cleats. Don't dr- don't, they don't dress. They're this, still in street they're clothes. They're still, yeah, or in sweats. There is no exercise involved right. in that. So, And I don't know, while they didn't practice Friday and they didn't need to do a walkthrough, uh, they could have still done something. They probably didn't. Then Saturday, they obviously missed the game. Sunday is a day of recovery where they do nothing. And so really what they missed is a Monday practice this week because they were back at it on Tuesday. And you contrast that with Miami, not that that's the next opponent. Miami hasn't practiced since last Tuesday. Eight days. And and they have no indication of when they're going to get back to practice. And obviously they're, I mean, the storm buried South Florida. So they've got a bigger concern in terms of getting guys back game ready and all that sort of thing. But I just when you spent all last week, uh, you know, cleaning up special teams, game planning for Louisiana Monroe. This week you're going to have four practices really without a game plan. I mean, you might introduce a couple of NC State things, but really it's an extra week of fundamentals. Exactly, because I, I, if I'm Jimbo, I don't put the NC State game plan in. I, I make that a normal week. I don't try to, you know, yeah, no, I don't think he'd, it I don't all. think he'd introduce it as yeah, NC State. Yeah. He might show a couple looks and not even hint that it's NC State. And, and, and based on what we've told, that. they practiced uh, yesterday and today, and then they'll practice again Thursday and Friday. I've not heard anything about practicing over the weekend. Yeah, no, I think they're taking Saturday off, and, and then they'll get back into a normal game week. But it, it is bizarre. Uh, and, again, when Jimbo was – it was Jimbo's last uh, – I guess second to last year. What was his first year here? It's all running at 07. Yeah, so uh, so oh five was Les Miles' first year at LSU, and Jimbo was still there. That's when Katrina hit, and their schedule was completely jumbled. Obviously, they ended up playing Tennessee on a Monday night. That game got rescheduled, and Tennessee flew in and out the same day, day of the game. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine that in in today's day and age, that's uh, how much of a mess it was then. So uh, it's just bizarre. We're going to have uh, Tim Linnefelt join us coming up. I'm not sure if he's got a better word for it because. Uh, 
and I don't know if you'd feel any better if you had DeAndre Francois right now. I, I think the questions would still be: We're going to have a couple weeks worth of rust. Is it a good thing because we had more practice? Well, let's time, put this or? way: the 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 twenty one day layoff is the bigger concern than the freshman quarterback. Just given the way the twenty one day layoff came about, how about that? Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right, we'll get uh, some more fair or unfair statements from our Seminoles.com insider, uh, Tim Linnefelt, momentarily. I do need to remind you, though, that uh, Madison Social and and all the folks at For the Table Centrale Township, they're all uh, back up and running, uh, literally running. They they Last night they had a beer crawl to celebrate that we survived <laughs> Irma. They phrased it another way. I'll just leave it at that. Tonight they had a uh, – I think they're probably out there right now in front of Township. It's uh, the calories count during Hurricane Irma, so let's let's go burn some of those. Uh, Keith and I are thinking about maybe standing up and doing a couple jumping jacks during the break, but we're not participating Tom in Tom is run. thinking about standing up and doing something. All right. Anyway, uh, they're clever. Trivia Tuesday returns to Madison Social next Tuesday, uh, 17th of every month. You can get a Reuben at Madison Social and check the calendar. The 17th is coming up this Sunday, so plan accordingly. We will uh, plan on having our Seminoles.com insider, uh, Tim Linnefelt, join us when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles, and as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll remind you that the Earl Bacon Agency ensures your future together online at earlbacon.com, and we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm great, Tom. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Has, has your pay been cut because you didn't have a game to cover last week or this week? Hey, I mean, well, that hasn't been yet, but I don't need you putting those ideas out in public. All well, right. ours has, and we're not happy about it. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, the word I used in the first segment, Tim, is just bizarre. I, you know, has Florida? When's the last time Florida State had a game canceled, or has had any kind of scenario where they're going to go three weeks between games ever? Uh, yeah, I was I was trying to do a little bit of research uh, today. Actually, you know, uh, the the Miami game in two thousand four got moved because of a hurricane, but they did end up playing it. Now that was four uh, days. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, I'm not sure on straight up cancellation. I do know I looked at. It's the latest home opener since 1977, so uh, it's been a while since Florida State has played its first home game this late. But, that's uh, but real a long time ago because I was a freshman. Yeah, so do you remember? <laughs> you well, I, did, I didn't dress that year. Thanks for bringing that up, Tim. Well, <laughs> but hey, I was in the stands. We're, uh, we're off to a great start on this one, aren't we? No, it, <laughs> it is really weird. It's, it's a strange feeling. Uh, you, you know, it, it was odd enough last week not having a game, but it, it was sort of mitigated because, you know, at least Saturday – Everybody around here was, was sort of buckling down, waiting for the storm to come. We were thinking that, you know, the worst was still possible. So that kind of helped you forget that they weren't playing a game. But I think uh, this Saturday, when uh, when there's no game, it's going to be even stranger. Well, unfortunately, the Miami and FSU open dates coincided, so we didn't have to have the drama that was the Florida-LSU discussions last year to reschedule that game so this one was pretty easy i'm curious on the louisiana monroe front though tim do you have any idea how hard did florida state try to get that rescheduled because 
you know, Keith was just kicking around with me, and I know the timing wasn't the same because that game got canceled Thursday, and I think it was Sunday when the Miami game officially got rescheduled. But, you know, there's probably a few teams out there looking for games, and Florida State's looking for one. I mean, how hard did they try to get Louisiana Monroe to move its schedule around or play somebody else, or do they just let it go and leave it as is? Well, it's it's tough because it's just such short notice, right? I You know, it would be one thing had the game been canceled on Monday or Tuesday, no one, but, but on Thursday night, remember what it was probably pushing 10 o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, that's about as late as you can cancel it. So I don't know. No, I meant I mean, for this coming week. For this coming week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's still, you know, to, to get something in place in, in, you know, five, six days' time when you didn't know that you would even need to that late in the process, I think is a, is a pretty big ask. You know, you, you heard whispers that they were trying to figure something out with, with Louisiana Monroe. Uh, but I think just given the time frame, it, it just was it was just too short of a, a time frame to reasonably make anything happen. Does losing that game hurt Florida State in the big picture? I don't think so. You know, I, I think it, where it hurts uh, a program is if you're if you need that win for bowl eligibility. I think that's where you can run into trouble. But I don't suspect that's going to be an issue for Florida State. Obviously, it hurts Louisiana Monroe uh, for uh, for obvious reasons. Um, so, you know, I, I got to think they were, they were pretty motivated to try to make the game happen, uh, given what it means to them and, and their budget. But, uh, but no, I don't, I don't think it, it, it hurts Florida State. It'll look weird in the media guide when it shows, you know, one fewer game that you'd normally play. But I, I don't think the long-term effects of up in that game. For, I think they're pretty minimal. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe's got about a million reasons to, to miss that game, as it turns out, I think. All right, well, let's let's move it forward then. So Florida State practiced yesterday. They're going to practice four days this week. Do we have, it, do we have any indication? Uh, well, Keith and I referred to it. I mean, it's sort of a fundamentals week. you got an extra week of camp to drill down on the things you're not doing great at uh, because I don't think they'll get into NC State. But do we have any idea how much contact or if they'll go live on a freshman quarterback here to try and simulate a game at least since, you know, you're three weeks between games? Oh gosh, man! I would be really just given the situation and, and the depth. I would be really surprised if they went live on James Blackman uh, at any point, just because. But man, if something were to happen, uh, now you're down to two scholarship quarterbacks. So I wouldn't think so. Uh, you know, Jimbo on the, the ACC teleconference this morning kind of, you know, he said it was sort of sort of like a, a normal bye week and sort of like a week of fall camp, and that they're going to spend some time you know, sharpening some details and owning some skills. Uh, you know, especially you know, it's, it's tough when you, when you haven't played and. Um, you know, be two weeks and you haven't practiced in five days and on and on. So I think they're going to spend some time, you know, re-going over some stuff that, uh, that maybe they'd like to sharpen up. And, and he did say that it's not going to be too hard of a, too hard of a week this week. Um, you know, and the idea of keeping everybody healthy. So we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if, if today and, and Thursday were, uh, were a little heavier. I know he said that, that Friday was going to be a light day and then they'll give them off, uh, on Saturday and get back to the normal routine on Monday. It's you know it's it's kind of hard to say exactly that's that's kind of what I think will happen but we don't really have a frame of reference for this type of situation. Well, that's you what know? Tom and I were talking about in the first segment, and and yeah. uh, before our listeners uh, scream at their own radios, uh, yes, hopefully they will spend extra time on special teams this week. <laughs> well, and here's another thing, and. Uh, this this applies in August because school's not in session. But normally during the fall semester, you've got the twenty hour week uh, rule. But school's not in this week, so I'm not saying they can extend they, that they want to extend practice because they want to keep them fresh. But they can spend more time in meeting rooms and all if they choose to. I don't know if they're if they're doing that, but they could literally have a ten hour day right now with them, couldn't they? 
I, I don't know how that works. Again, I, you know, I don't know if there are NCAA bylaws that, that provide loopholes if, if school is closed because of a natural disaster. I, I, that's a good question. That's probably something I should have known before I came on, but I would be surprised if the, if the 20-hour rule didn't still apply, but maybe it doesn't. Yeah, so I don't know. So anyway, uh, it's weird. That's that's, that's the uh, yeah, it is takeaway. It's, it's it a is. really strange situation. Well, this is why the NCAA rule book is twelve million pages because you you write another <laughs> page to address what's happening right now. Um, is Jim Harbaugh taking his team to Italy this week? <laughs> that's that's the page they haven't written yet. <laughs> Tim, what do you know this week about uh, James Blackman that you didn't share with us last week? Oh gosh, uh, not a ton. I don't think. I, I thought that was, was pretty forthcoming. You know, I will say you don't want to. I don't know. It's hard to, to frame this in, in the right way. You don't want to be seen as as benefiting from a from a natural disaster. Uh, but but for Tallahassee to be as lucky as it was and then be spared the worst of the hurricanes, you know, for Florida State getting an extra week or two of practice to prepare a freshman quarterback isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, you, I think you would have preferred to get him in there against ULM and get him an actual game experience, but. Getting all this extra practice time. Now, granted, the, the opponent will be more difficult. I think we expect NC State to be tougher than, than ULM. But, but getting this much time to, to sort of shake off the – if he was feeling any shock or any surprise at being thrust into the starter's role, uh, you, you have time to shake that off. You, you get him as comfortable as you can. You get more time to work with him as before you had me you know, four or five day, four or five days. Now you're looking at you know, almost three full weeks of practice time. Uh, that's a, a silver lining to this situation. There were a couple of guys that did not dress against Alabama. The ones I'm thinking of are in the secondary, Nate Andrews and I think Carlos Becker. Do we have word? Are they going to be back when, when Florida State's playing again? I don't know if we know that yet. I know Becker was close against Alabama, so I would uh, he, he, he suited up and did warm-ups. So I would expect he'd probably be available. And I, and I think Nate will, too. I don't think anything was especially serious uh, with him. I think they were, were hoping to have him back sooner rather than later, and and given three weeks later, I, I think Nate probably would be uh, would be able to play. But I definitely would uh, would expect Becker, uh, given that uh, given that he was close three weeks ago. Let me pose this question for both of you: There's been discussion about extending the season so that all seasons have two bye weeks, and there's pros and cons on it that you and I have discussed, Keith. But in light of this and how many games aren't going to be made up. Does this help the argument to go to the schedule when they have these discussions that builds into bye weeks to allow for a little more flexibility to deal with situations like this? Uh, I think it's a good idea. I, you know, I've, I've heard that argument more um, in the NFL than in college football. But, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, – look, we're, we're already in a world where football is, is year-round anyway pretty much, right? Uh, I mean, you know, it's a bit of an exaggeration. But that's kind of the, the way it feels. And so – you know, back in the when you were playing 10, 11 games and have one bye week, that's one thing. But now everybody's playing 12. Some teams are playing 13, 14, even 15. Uh, I mean, if you're playing 15 games, that's practically an NFL season for, you know, younger players, uh, less physically developed players. Uh, you know, I think having the second bye week is good just in terms of, of health and, and wellness for the players. But it also gives you some flexibility uh, for scheduling. Like you said, you know, it worked out great that the Florida State and Miami had the same bye week. But what if they hadn't? Uh, I mean, that's a game that, that needs to be played uh, for, for the ACC. And then you're looking at a situation, I don't know, maybe they would have played in Jacksonville this weekend or something, but Miami still hasn't practiced. Uh, the, the, so, my my yeah, form so. of answer is yes, definitely. As long as we had this conversation with Jimbo up in Charlotte, as long as you make the extension earlier into the summer, in other words, you don't tack it on at the end, 
but you start a week early. And that does a couple of things. Number one, it start gives you... Start the games a week early, but Correct. not extend preseason practice back into July. In other words, we, we talked about this. You get 28 days or whatever it was at camp. Yeah. Just, just cap it at 23. If everybody's got the same amount, then you're not going I wouldn't, to July. I wouldn't do that because you've done away with two-a-days. You, you, your coaches are going to rebel against number of times getting out there on the practice field. But I would do it a week earlier and... and, and Natural disasters are not why you would do it. The, why, the reason you do it is you keep from having to play Saturday and then play again on Thursday or play a Monday game and play again on yeah, Saturday. That, that's what you – and then because you have them, if something comes up, if there is a natural disaster, you've got an extra week you can play with. Clearly it's not what you would build your case around. Right. But it is a little another little argument or point you can bring into the discussion. I was just curious. I was thinking about it as we were having this discussion. All right, Tim, what about other sports? Because Florida State uh, on the soccer front, and we're going to talk to Mark Krikorian a little bit later in this show, but they lost a key match against Florida, although that will, will be rescheduled. Uh, volleyball lost a home tournament. I feel like half the teams uh, traveled out of town to continue to train. What can you tell us on that front? Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it was a weird time. Uh, some some sports stayed, uh, stayed in town and kind of hunkered down together others left and the, the soccer team went up to Ole Miss where they could train and practice uh, a big match for them this week uh, against North Carolina who last I checked I think was number 10 in the country and I think the Florida State North Carolina series in soccer it shifted a little bit because you know uh, eight ten years ago when Florida State was really establishing itself as one of the nation's top programs I mean North Carolina was the gold standard you know I mean in the 90s they were winning national championships every single year with you know Mia Hamm and people like that and so the first time Florida State beat North Carolina, you know, it sort of felt like a watershed moment for the program. Not to say that beating them is not a big deal now, but now it feels, for one, you know, Florida State's stature has increased considerably, and in North Carolina, while they're still one of the top programs in the country, it's not that same level of just silly dominance the way that it was before. So uh, now you're sort of having two of, two of the sports heavyweights go toe-to-toe, and, and to see it this early in the season is pretty cool, too. It uh, should be a really fun atmosphere there uh, on Sunday at the Seminole Soccer Complex. And then uh, volleyball. Making some things happen to get some, some teams on their schedule. Saw today that they scheduled Auburn. They have them uh, coming for a uh, for a match later on in a couple of days. Uh, just trying to trying to keep everybody sharp and trying to keep that strength of schedule up. But uh, but yeah, every everybody's sort of juggling and, and, and moving things around, uh, trying to keep things as normal as possible. And you know that's just you're going to lose that to some degree, but you do the best you can, right? Tim, one of the things that always comes out of uh, adversity, in this case the, the hurricane, is uh, the, the heartwarming stories. And one of those occurred Monday night at uh, the Dunlap Champions Club when uh, Florida State athletes were kind of given back to their fellow students uh, over dinner. Yeah, that was a really cool thing. And that was, uh, I thought, a really good idea. The Office of Student Services put that together. And, and when they did, athletics really jumped on board. Uh, you know, it's easy to forget, especially for, for some of us who have maybe lived here for a while, been through a few of these storms. Uh, for uh, it, it's not always easy for a you know an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid. You're away from home, uh, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never been through one of these. If you're from somewhere other than Florida, that can be a pretty frightening thing, a pretty scary thing. And like I was saying a, a little bit ago, it, we know now that 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 Irma treated Tallahassee fine. But on Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, we didn't know that. So it was a pretty tense time, pretty uneasy time. Uh, and so I thought that was a really cool thing to get everybody together and. And kind of show a, a solid community at, at Florida State. I, you know, kudos to the football, basketball, and baseball players who are all there. You saw, you know, Drew Mendoza serving up uh, serving up hamburgers. Derek Naughty, man in the drink stations. Auden Tate, Jacquez Patrick, they're there handing out these like frozen ice type deals. Uh, it was just cool, and and you know, you actually got to see. You know, it wasn't like a like a 
a separated thing. And you saw students mingling with players. Obviously, some took pictures with guys. Uh, you know, more than a few kids uh, took pictures with Chris Kumaje because, you know, when you, when you see Chris Kumaje, he, he stands out. He's the tallest guy in every room. So it just uh, it, it felt very natural. Uh, I think sometimes those types of things, uh, they, you know, if, if not done right, they can they can feel unnatural. But it just felt really kind of kind of cool and, and relaxed and natural. And it was a it was a pretty fun atmosphere in there for sure. How did the special teams look at that dinner, Tim? I mean, is there any good news there? Hey, man, I thought all the uh, the the burgers were were delivered the way they were supposed to. The the drinks came uh, with uh, with lids properly uh, undone. Everything that you could ask for was done well. Excellent. Hey, I, the only thing I'm going to dock you on as we finish up is you used the phrase "hunker down" earlier in this segment, and after watching the hurricane coverage for the last five days, I mean, "hunker down" is prominent on the hurricane warning and watch bingo card with with several other terms that have been used excessively but but other than that thanks as always good job tim and that's one of those as, as, as the term hunker down ever been used in any context on a context other than for a hurricane i think at university of georgia larry munson hunkered down with those dogs a few times when he was calling bulldog football but other than that i think it's the domain of jim cantori and his colleagues right now all right, sounds, sounds about right to me, guys. All righty, that's our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. I, I mean, seriously, there needs to be a bingo card for this. I mean, hunker down is definitely on there. That reminds me of my, my favorite dumbest weather joke. Oh, are you going to share it? Yep. You know it's a bad day if you get up early in the morning and you look out in the window and Jim Cantore is standing in your front yard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that, I mean, that's a true statement, though. <laughs> If you're leaving town and he's rolling in, you know you made the right decision. There's no question about that. We'll take a break, come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. All righty, Tom and Keith back with you. Once again, uh, well wishes to uh, to you and yours, not just uh, here in the capital city where we didn't uh, fare, where we fared pretty well, but uh, for friends and family members and everybody else around the uh, state in the southeast, uh, hopefully a speedy recovery from the, the destructive uh, storm that was Irma. Keith, I was thinking about this, and you referenced, I think, earlier that the Alabama game feels like uh, it was a bowl game. You know, there's all this hype, but now – it feels like we're getting ready for another bowl game because you get 15 practices to lead up to the bowl game, <laughs> and that's basically what Florida State's going to have. So it's it's you didn't know at the front end you were going to have 15, so you didn't script it accordingly. But it, the larger point I'm trying to make is that Florida State has had success in bowl games, and and you know it's not like you just flip a switch. You got to figure out how the guy, get the guys ready to play at the right time again, and that seems to be what the quandary is here. Well, and, and you're right, and Florida State fortunate to have played in what 30. 34, 35 consecutive bowl games, whatever that record is, uh, ongoing record. I think it's interesting, too, that uh, there's a natural uh, thought process that goes. We're, we're opening the home schedule, and, and it's against an ACC opponent 
that this year is pretty well thought of, and that being NC State. And of course, we'll talk more about the Wolfpack uh, next next Wednesday in terms of X's and O's. But that also might lend a little uh, extra excitement to it uh, in that fact that your home opener is a, is a game of significance. Uh, no disrespect to ULM, but uh, it just it's a different mindset in that regard as well. Another thing that is different, and there's a lot of things that are different with this schedule, coaches will get to watch more college football than they probably ever do during a season outside of game tape, don't you think? I mean, if FSU's not – and so I, I'm asking I'll, that. I'll be shocked if Jimbo isn't sitting down with Trey and, and, and Ethan uh, Saturday night – uh, watching Clemson Louisville live and not waiting to get game tapes when time time comes to play right, those schools. Right. Well, exactly in the Saturday, right. And the Saturday night game, they might normally get a little peek at if you've played a day game. You know, like next week FSU plays at noon, they'll get it. But to have a full day to watch it and really two full Saturdays, that's that's bizarre too. I don't know. It's uh, I think anxious is the word for that everybody has following Florida State now because everybody's anxious to see what James Blackman looks like. Well, we know what he looks like. He's six foot five and weighs about one hundred ninety pounds. How does he perform? You missed one of my all-time great tweets by not being on Twitter, by the way. I, on, on Thursday, I said, James Blackman should hang out with me during the storm because I'll get him up to 225, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Mr. Block. <laughs> I mean, he, if he wants to gain 10 pounds. No, but, I, yeah, we know what he looks like, but how does he look under center? I mean, because what we're hearing now is everybody's echoing the same sentiments that have already been echoed. In other words, reporter A says, well, Players seem to like him. He's a leader. So then somebody repeats that. And we're all repeating the same thing at this point, but we just don't know. Well, there's two things. Number one, uh, and we mentioned this last week, the thing that impresses me most about Blackman is that outsiders considered him a three-star and Jimbo signed him. And the reason Jimbo signed him is because he had him in camp and he was actually able to work with him. And Jimbo being the evaluator of talent, not not just what does a, a 19 or 20-year-old project to be, but what does a 16 and 17-year-old project to be when they're 19 or 20? Uh, I put a lot of stock in that, and I got a lot of faith in Jimbo's ability to look at youngsters and, and be able to see what they're going to blossom into. And uh, that that's the number one thing that I take away as to why uh, he's going to be have a better-than-average chance to be successful. And number two is what the other players are saying because somewhere along the line, even though the media is not allowed at practice or everything, if he wasn't getting along, I mean, if not to bring up a bad thing, but, you know, Chris Ricks did not get off on the good foot as a freshman here in Tallahassee, and anybody that was around the program knew about it. Right. And you don't hear any of that type of thing about Blackman. One other repercussion of this – I think only six true freshmen played against Alabama. And Louisiana Monroe would have been a chance for several more to play because you could have put them under the light, see how they perform, and you know they could still end up with a medical hardship when all said and done. Well, now you don't have that game, and now you've got conference games. And so I wonder if chances haven't been diminished for some of those guys. And we won't know the answer to that until you start playing the games. Well, I think – obvious answer is it depends on how the game goes if florida state were to somehow beat nc state 70 to nothing then you would have seen those youngsters getting in there you don't anticipate that'll be the case any at all so your point's valid but i think it's still conditional upon what happens in reality 
All right. We will uh, step aside. We're going to talk to Florida State soccer coach Mark Krikorian when we come back. The soccer Seminoles uh, were on the road today, posted another win, a couple more goals for their star player. We'll talk to the coach about today's game, also the big one with North Carolina and the season outlook uh, overall. That's when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. We continue on Front Row Knowles post Irma edition. Again, hope that uh, you and yours uh, made out all right. Tom and Keith with you. And uh, as we go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we're really pleased that uh, one of the uh, it, it's a it's a strong list of head coaches uh, on the uh, staff at Florida State right now. And Mark Krikorian uh, might be at the top of the list with what he's done with the soccer program during his tenure here. And uh, he's literally joining us perhaps from the team bus as they just defeated. Or, or the, a post-game meal, maybe. Yeah. Coach, how are you? I'm doing fine, guys. How are you doing? And yes, you're right. I am on the bus, and we are heading back to Tallahassee. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll try to be brief here because uh, I know you've got a happy team behind you. Happy that they won today, four-one over Troy, and probably happy to get back home. And uh, before we talk about today's game, uh, I, you know, you've been coaching a long time, so you know how to deal with uh, adversity and and different scheduling challenges and whatnot. But but this one was a was a doozy. Uh, it canceled your match on Friday against Florida, and if I'm not mistaken. You guys rolled out of town maybe all the way to Mississippi to practice for a couple days and then to Birmingham and now to Troy. I mean, just walk us through what the last week has been like for you. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge, of course. Uh, but, you know, when when you look at the biggest picture, uh, we feel for all the folks back there in, um, in Florida, uh, South Florida and over in the Jacksonville area and, and anywhere and everywhere in between. But, yeah, we uh, we hopped on the bus on Saturday uh, morning and uh, took uh, took the team and headed to Oxford, Mississippi, where they were very gracious hosts uh, at Ole Miss and uh, allowed us to have a couple of days of practice there as we were all following uh, the storm and the forecast and, you know, how, how things seemed to materialize. And uh, at some point when it seemed like the storm was passing, uh, we decided to get on the bus and start heading back. So we came back partway and stopped at Birmingham, uh, spent a night in Birmingham, and then uh, yesterday... Uh, got on the bus again and headed to Troy and spent last night in Troy and uh, just uh, completed the match here an hour ago. And now we're back on the bus and we're heading back to Tallahassee. I think everyone um, is very much looking forward to getting back to, to life as normal as it is. Coach, as much as you recruit internationally, uh, you've got to have some of your ladies that had never been near a hurricane. Was this a completely new weather phenomenon for, for some of them? It sure was, um, you know, and, and the other part of it is we have an awful lot of kids from Florida. So, you know, the, the dynamics in the team were really interesting. Uh, when you look at the kids that had never experienced such a powerful storm, and then you look at we have some kids from South Florida, we have some kids from the coast uh, uh, up in the Jacksonville area, and trying to make sense out of it for all of them, their families, their homes, and everything else, that, uh, uh, and everyone else who was affected. You mentioned, uh, or Keith asked you about your international players. I know you've got uh, one that is, 
I mean, she's a hero in her in her home country. I'm talking about Dana Castellanos, who scored another two goals today. She's the leading scorer in the ACC right now uh, as your team won 4-1 over Troy. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, who she is and what it's like to have? I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it. I don't know that she's what Michael Jordan was in the States, but she's a big deal. She's a big deal. Um, you know, I think she has somewhere in the neighborhood of well, getting closer to a million uh, Instagram and Twitter followers. And uh, in Venezuela, she's a national hero. And uh, it's funny, recently, uh, apparently there's a catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates who's Venezuelan. And uh, he's got all of the Pittsburgh Pirates now are fans of Florida State women's soccer. So uh, her reach is a long one. And, uh, you know, she's a wonderful talent, a wonderful young woman as well. And uh, obviously her talent is... Uh, is uh, phenomenal, but uh, she's a great teammate, great young woman, and uh, uh, she's a joy to have in the team. Uh, Coach K, speaking of that international flavor, uh, one of the things that allows you to recruit internationally is you'll allow these ladies to go back and play for their home clubs and things like that, which sometimes is detrimental to your season. Are, are you at full strength, or how close are you to being full strength? Yeah, so uh, for the game today, we're without Toy uh, Bisto uh, and Toika, uh, who uh, had returned to Finland for a national team match. And yeah, that's part of the uh, the deal. When you're going to recruit these top-level players from around the world, uh, they will have national team obligations, and they will have to leave us at different times. And, you know, I understand it. I respect it. It's the world game, and that's something that, you know, we, we have a choice. We can either choose to recruit them and then understand that they may be gone if they're called up uh, at different points of the season, or we can choose not to recruit them. But for me, uh they bring so much to the team beyond just their play, uh, their, their culture, their, uh, the flair, and uh, they're, they're just great great people, and it helps to uh, make our team what it is. And We are clearly the most diverse team in the country, and uh, we take great pride in it. Was there something in your background as you were coming into coaching and, and becoming uh, working your way into a head coach that led you to want to do that? Did, did, was there a, a, a rationale in your mind as to why that became an approach you wanted to uh, embrace? Well, there were two two things. One was that when I, I it all started back when I was coaching Division Two team, and I didn't have the luxury of being able to get the top kids in the country to come to my team. So, you know, knowing that uh, around the rest of the rest of the world there were some pretty good players, I thought, well, maybe there's some kids over there that would value an American education, an opportunity to play college soccer. So, um, made some very good contacts and. Uh, and they helped uh, let us land some very good players over the years. And knowing that uh, now being here at Florida State, and you know we're going to get some of the top kids in the country, but so is Virginia and Duke and Carolina and uh, Stanford and the rest. That you know we're, we're going to go and we're going to try and find the best in the world and not not be too um, uh, too concerned if we if we miss on a kid that chooses one of the other schools. Well, we have a plan B where some of the other schools at this point don't. Uh, the other part of it is, of course, that um, you know we we know that uh, in order to be successful at the highest level, um, those those uh, kids are fantastic students. They're fantastic people, and they're very mature. So they bring a little bit of a different uh, element to our team. So besides the simply on the field talent and, and quality, uh, they're great role models uh, in the classroom and in the community as well. I'll ask the question since you didn't volunteer it, but what's your cumulative team GPA, Coach? Because I know your soccer stars always uh, excel in the classroom. You know, I think uh, last year we were down a little bit, uh, 
three, four, or something around there. But shame on you, know, you. shame to, on you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit uh, disappointed with it. We we tend to hover up in the uh, three point four region somewhere around there, but you know, we, we, I guess we had a bad semester or a bad year. <laughs> Well, you're, you're to be commended for that because I know your, your team always here, here. does excel here, there. Here. And, and you've excelled at the highest level on the field, too. Florida State's won a national championship in soccer. You go to the Elite Eight every year, maybe uh, every year since you've been here. And then last year happened where you go out just one round in, uh, which is certainly different than what the culture is. So how much did that stick in your craw or, more importantly, your, your players' craw as they prepared for this year? I think a lot. I think a lot of us um, looked at it and were thoroughly disappointed. The expectation that we have is significantly greater than that. But, you know, the other reality is that in all of sports, there is an element of luck. And I'd be a, a fool and a liar if I didn't say that in some years we've had luck on our side. Um, you know, we've uh, gone further than maybe the talent should have taken us. And uh, with a little bit of luck here and there, we've gone further. Last year, I could tell you we were unlucky. Uh, we were better than Utah was on that day. We deserved to win the game. Uh, we missed our chances. We hit the post. Uh, we had a goal brought back uh, by the referee, which, you know, I, I'm certainly not questioning whether it was fair or not. But uh, and, and they scored uh, one of the flukiest goals uh, that, that we've ever given up here uh, to win the game. But, you know, credit to them for hanging around. But I would say on that day, uh, Lady Luck was not with us when, Many years previously, we had an awful lot of luck. Coach, you got a big match coming up uh, this Sunday against the, the Tar Heels. Uh, a, you'll be glad to get back in your own beds and get back home, and it'll be good uh, to get in front of a, a Florida State faithful crowd uh, on Sunday here in Tallahassee. Yeah, I mean, over the years, Carolina has defined the quality of women's soccer, and uh, in the most recent times, we've uh, had a reasonable amount of success uh, playing against them. And what we know is it will be a highly competitive game. The two, two of the top ten teams in the country going out and uh, doing battle. They have a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent. Um, the, the style of the game and the uh, use of substitutes will be significantly different from one bench to the other. But, you know, we, we have great respect for what they've done and what they continue to do in the game. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It should be a great game back to the soccer complex uh, Sunday at 1. Coach, congratulations on the win today. Best of luck Sunday against the Tar Heels and the rest of the season. Thanks for a few minutes of your time. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for looking after us. You Have bet. a good day. That Bye-bye. is uh, Florida State's Coach K, Mark Krikorian, the uh, very successful soccer coach at FSU. And in the world of women's collegiate soccer, he's probably not that many notches below the Coach K in men's basketball yeah, for, he's, those, for those that know what's going on. He's done a tremendous job with uh, with Florida State. Hey, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool & Fastener to take care of all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. In light of uh, Irma, you may have already paid them a visit but uh, we thank them. If for you've their got support. work to do, go ask them. They'll save you some time and save you some money. There you go. We'll come back, put the wraps on uh, this week's edition of Front Row Knowles right after this.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, a few minutes to go. Thanks to Coach Mark Krikorian for joining us. His soccer Seminoles on the road again. Four one over Troy today. Dana Can Castellanos had a couple of goals. She's got again. she's got eight goals in six games right now. She's a only a sophomore, so uh, soccer aficionados know this and have been out to see her. But uh, Knowles and Tar Heels. If you're going to go to one game this year, one match uh, this Sunday would be the one to go to. And I suspect it will be full. So get there early. Yeah, they get a good crowd, no question. Volleyball has just added a, a match as well, it looks like, uh, I think against Auburn this weekend. I'll try to pull up some details there. One thing we have not mentioned here, Keith, is we've uh, talked a lot about Some debuts. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Dalvin Cook looked pretty good the other Ooh. night, didn't he? Especially in the fourth quarter, he did. I, it was it was slow. It was a slow start, and then he he poured it on at the uh, at the end. But uh, he got the edge a couple of times, which that was maybe what the question would be about how he'd. Yeah. Granted, it's a one game sample. Twenty two carries, one hundred and twenty seven yards. Did I get the stats right? I think so. Yep, he's the second leading rusher in the NFL right now, and he's on pace for a two thousand yard season. So, do you like his chances? I do. I'm going to go under on the two thousand yards, but I do under like two thousand. Yes, yeah. Well, that's what I said. He's on pace for two thousand right now. But uh, <laughs> it was it was good to see. And uh, about a first career pick six for another Seminole. Yeah, Lamarcus Joyner had a pick six, and uh, Chris Thompson was the guy, and he scored a touchdown this week. But last week he got a two year contract for I think six million. And I don't know what he's made prior to it, but if you think about Chris Thompson here at Florida State, a he was electric, and b it wasn't that he got hurt or, or was – he had significant injuries. I mean, he tore his ACL against Miami. He broke his back against Wake Forest. And, and oh, by the way, he's – what is Chris Thompson? 5'11", 100 – Buck 80. I, mean, I don't know what they list him. 5'8". Five, five, Tom Lang is saying 5'8". I forget what he was. 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and he's tiny. And yet here he is. He gets it. For him to get a second contract in the NFL, kudos. The, the best thing about Chris – off the field is his folks, his mom and dad. They are absolutely delightful people. And I get a chance to run into them once a year, once every other year. And uh, they are great uh, ambassadors of student athletes and, and what football can do for kids, particularly in rural areas like Chris came from, uh, to allow them to go to school and then have an opportunity to do other things with their life. And and uh, his mom in particular is a delight just to sit down and talk with. I, I, I one day think I remember having that much energy. I think I might have been three at the time, but she is just unbelievable. Yeah, he's uh, Tom Lang is on top of it. Uh, he's 5'8", 191 is what they list him on the Redskins site. So. Well, Tom only talks about people he can look down to. Well, you know, and I How's saw it going, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been uh, honored to have your presence back here. Very much so. Yeah, Very much like, so. This is like where our humble beginnings uh, got got cranked up with you on the other side of the glass. Man, the humble beginnings with the uh, the air conditioning in the low carpeted area of a studio that was uh, in a 100 year old house in a building that does not exist it any longer. You know, about three months after we moved out of there, last year's Hermine uh, knocked a tree, which would have landed on top of the building. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Who knows what time of day that would have been or <laughs> if we would have been doing the front row Knowles right then. 
Keith did bring up one similarity, though. This this studio, much like a casino, there's no windows, save for the one between you and I, and there's no clocks. No clocks. No clocks. I mean, that's by design. You just want us to go for 24 hours in here. Well, if only we had the cocktail waitress, right, to walk around and offer you beverages as you did the show. Let's, it would get really interesting. Who do we talk to about that? Let's make that happen. All right, so <laughs> take Keith. A, take a memo. Keith. Uh, we mentioned the coaches get to watch more football than usual. Uh, you and I are usually pretty obligated on Saturdays as well. So uh, while often when we're doing the pregame show, there's a game on. We're not really watching it. And uh, this week there's a couple games, uh, Florida-Tennessee and, and uh, Louisville-Clemson, that I'm going to pay pretty close attention to. The, the Louisville-Clemson game, I believe, is, is given the fact that Florida State hasn't been able to play, has, has become the marquee game for the ACC. It moved right into that same window. Early yeah, they, in the year. And obviously, uh, with what Jackson was able to do in back-to-back games, 500 yards of total offense in back-to-back games, uh, Clemson's defense gave up 92 yards or something of uh, off uh, passing yards or total offense, whatever it was, to Auburn in the victory. Uh, I mean, I think it positions the ACC in a very good light. It was just announced, by the way, uh, that the numbers came in for the FSU-Alabama game most watched yeah. first game of the year in the history of college football. And obviously Florida State uh, on the losing end of that. But uh, those that watched the game, I, you know, I, I, we've talked about this, uh, know that the 24-7 um, score really wasn't indicative of the ball game, indicative of the ball game. And uh, so the ACC position itself well, despite the fact that they've lost some games to the SEC and some of that bragging rights, uh, you know, a little bit in jeopardy right now. Yeah, hopefully it's an entertaining game on Saturday. Looking forward to watching it. All right, we are uh, out of time. Keith, I'm glad uh, we survived. Good to see you again. We'll Good do this to have you back in town with you and your family and your mom and everybody safe. And uh, and we truly were honored. Tom Lang was with us tonight. All right, folks, we'll do Be this. Lang. We'll do this again next week. We'll see you then. Stay safe.